Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for tuning in wherever you are, tuning into this podcast on life leadership and the pursuit of greatness. We are grateful that you're spending your time with us today. We have an incredible guest, Jim Akins is joining us. He is currently the throws coach at Burlington Central High School in Illinois, just outside St. Charles. Uh, but he's been a teacher and a coach since 1983. He has served as president for the Illinois Track and Cross Country Associations uh, and is in their Hall of Fame. He is currently an Illinois representative for the National Throws Coaches Association. His teams have won nine conference championships, nine sectional championships, and has had five top eight finishes in the Illinois State Track Meet. He's published several articles and videos about throws and training for throwers. He is also a much sought-after speaking clinician. He has been there, done that in the realm of coaching, and he is thoroughly qualified to discuss the concept of leadership. We can't wait to get started. Here we go. All right. Welcome to another episode of Life Leadership and the Pursuit of Greatness. I'm your host, Tim Lovell, along with Dwayne Mathis. We have a distinguished guest, guest with us today, Coach Jim Akins. Uh, we're going to get into his story here in just a minute. He's got quite a quite a long history of success in coaching uh, variants. He's done a lot of different things. He's a, he's a currently retired teacher, but coaching is in his blood, and uh, he's going to share his knowledge on leadership. And based on what you hear about his resume, you're going to know he's qualified to talk on that subject. Uh, but first, uh, my co-host, Dwayne Mathis. How are you, buddy? Doing well. It's a great uh, Memorial Day. The sun's shining right now. And, uh, you know, just uh, taking a little break from the family to, to spend some time with you guys and excited to, to dive into this. Yeah. So just quick shout out to those of you who are listening, wherever you are and wherever you're tuning in, we're grateful that you're, you're spending time with us. Um, it is Memorial Day that we're recording this, not the day that we're actually getting it out. But uh, just a quick thanks to those who have served our country. And uh, we are indebted forever for the service and selfless sacrifice that those people put in uh, to making this country great. and uh, makes you proud to be an American. Uh, just quick note on Coach Aikens. He's been coaching since uh, 1984 as a track coach. Uh, he is in the National High School Coaches Association Hall of Fame, or the Illinois Track and Cross Country Coaches Association Hall of Fame. He's been a National Throws uh, Coach Association member. Uh, he has been a published author. He's been a soccer coach, a track coach, a football coach, a science teacher. Uh, you name it, he's done it. Uh, we're not going to steal all of his thunder, but uh, Coach is definitely qualified. And it's special for me because uh, when I was in high school, at Friend High School in 1989 to 1993, Coach Aikens was a science teacher and football coach. And um, so this is this is definitely uh, special nostalgia for me. I know Coach Mathis is looking forward to getting some dirt uh, from Coach Aikens on me. When I was in high school, I was – you know, a little runt running around the school, but uh, I'll let Coach Akins dive into that a little bit. But he's been quiet here for a minute. So, uh, Coach Akins, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I'm I'm really honored. I've, uh, you know, got uh, started following your uh, your podcast there on Twitter and I listened to a couple and I was really, uh, really impressed. So, uh, you know, reaching out to you, remembered back uh, that team that we had back in 92, that undefeated team, 93, that was a great year. And, uh, that was, Tim was you were a defensive back of that in that squad. Yeah, yeah, I, I tried to be. Um, I was opposite Spencer Palmer, who went on to play at Grambling, and just a great football team. That that was just the uh, the culmination of so many things. And uh, you know, I, I've talked about the story that you guys had with that post that we put in the ground, and, and yeah. you guys painted, and we nailed stuff on it every week. And 
Um, it, it, it's just so many special memories that you guys did a great job of instilling into us. And, um, I won't, I won't get into all that right yet, but, um, you know, I, I was looking over the information you sent me from your bio. I could spend 15 minutes going over the great things that you've done and I don't want to diminish any of that, but I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to, to just tell us your story, um, before we really dive into your, your feelings on leadership, but, you know, you started off as, as a young guy in 83, and now you're coaching at a school, uh, a little smaller school than you, you maybe started at. So walk us yeah. through that a little bit, Coach, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, well, gosh, I started, I'm, I'm from uh, Ohio around Cleveland area originally, played football and, and did track there. And uh, it was a smaller school. I mean, our, our whole school had 300 kids in it. And uh, we were in a big conference, and uh, we got our head handed to us once or twice, but I fell in love with football, fell in love with uh, track. Uh, went on and uh, went to uh, Bowling Green. Uh, I competed there for a couple of years. Well, I guess you could call it competed. I, they needed somebody to carry the shots and discuses out. So they, they let me hang around. <laughs> so it was fun. Uh, but I did that. And uh, then after graduation, I went to uh, my, my, my then fiance. Uh, she got a job, not my wife, I uh, got a job in uh, Illinois. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll go up to Illinois. And I uh, started uh, working at uh, 211. Uh, actually, Conant High School was my first job. And there I coached uh, soccer. And it, it, it's funny, you talk about, uh, you know, back then things were a little different. They're like, uh, we, need a, we need a soccer coach. Can you coach soccer? I had never coached soccer in my life. Didn't know anything about it. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I can coach soccer. Sure. You know, what experience you have? Uh, you know, I, I want to work with some kids and a little, little club here and there. Just, you know, bullshitting essentially. <laughs> and I got the job. And so the uh, first day I go over to uh, I go over to the head soccer uh, coach's house. You know, we can kind of get to know each other. And we're talking. He goes, you don't know shit about soccer, do you? I'm like, nah, I don't know anything. <laughs> and he goes, but talking to you, you know, you, and you're talking. This is one of my little things. If you can relate to people and you can dispel knowledge and, and give what you have, you can coach. You know, you can learn the X's and the O's and whatever it is, but you've got to be a, you've got to be a certain kind of person, uh, a good teacher. If you're a good teacher, you're a good coach. So he told me, he goes, ah, I know you got what it takes and you coach. So we, so that was my first ever coach in soccer and I coached girls track. And then uh, my wife got transferred to New Jersey. So I went to a place called Marlboro, New Jersey. And I was scheduled to coach football at Conant and, uh, in, in 84, that following year, um, 84, 85. Uh, but uh, when she got transferred, I ended up going to New Jersey and they needed a football coach. So I was, that's why I coached offensive line. We ran the wing tee back then. And uh, so I learned a lot of, there you go. We learned. I learned a lot about rule blocking and stuff, and uh, and that was a great little offense you know, using the tight ends, and uh, we'd pull the tight ends across and all that. But uh, then I had a a really good. I coached girls track. Had a really good girl. As I say, uh, I like to say, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. <laughs> you got to have some talent if you're going to do something with it. And she was talented. She made me look smart. She took a second in shot. Uh, took third in discus and took second in javelin uh, at the state meet uh, that year. And things were going good. And uh, 
got transferred back to Illinois. <laughs> so ended up uh, coming back to 211. They had a spot at Fremd, and uh, they didn't have a football spot then yet. Uh, so I coached soccer again with uh, Mr. Pignani, if you remember him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's still, uh, he's still hanging around Fremd. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, wow. and he still volunteers with soccer. He had, you know, he had that good team in 85, that state team. And so I worked with him for a year. And then talk about mentors. One of mine was uh, Coach Sam Jedney. He was the head football coach at uh, at that time when Tim was playing, and I was a young coach then. And and uh, he pulled me into the. He kind of said the same thing. I could see you could talk, relate to kids, and I want you on the staff. And uh, so I started off with receivers, and then uh, eventually Coach Danish. He's another one, Coach. He switched to uh, defensive line, and I took offensive line and uh, coached. You know, we we coached there. I coached football till ninety. Seven, um, I went ahead and coached, and I was I stepped down to sophomore my last couple of years because uh, I had a we had a, a a child and wanted to be able to spend some more time with them. As you guys know, the during the football season, it's practically there's no home time. Yep. Um, so I did that, but it, it still you know kept me kept me pretty busy. Uh, then the head track job opened up at Fremd, and I was took it originally because I was. In my back of my mind, I'm thinking I need some head coaching experience if I want to get the head football job, which is what I wanted. I thought I was going to be a head football coach. That was my dream. And uh, so I took the head track job uh, to prepare for the head football job. And I just really fell in love with track and field. Mm. And uh, Coach Sam Jenny was on my staff. And I remember uh, Coach Boker. Uh, talk about mentors. Those two were my mm. two mentors. They helped me a lot. And I remember we, Coach Boke and I, we would argue uh, all the time for my first two years because I approached track with a football mentality. Oh. I was like, we're going to win every meet. We are going to, you know, go ahead and we're going to run them and we're going to, we're going to be, uh, you know, we're going to be a dominant team. And we were, but by the end of the season, we were all wore out. Mm. <laughs> so he kept telling me how dumb I was and I kept saying, well, it's my team. I'll do what the hell I want. And uh, I finally listened to him, and then we were there at the end of the season as well. After, and so when the football job came up, um, I decided to stay with track. I had gotten involved with the uh, state coaches association, and uh, I had some success with the throwers. So I started doing more things on a national level, and so I just decided to stay with track. And at that point, then I gave up. Uh, I gave up coaching football, and uh, as we had, we were very lucky. I mean, I've had some really good athletes, uh, a bunch of kids uh, place in state, win state, and uh, national qualifying. Mostly the throws is what I do. But as a head coach, you had to learn all the events. And so I've coached pole vault and I've coached jumps and I've ended up coaching cross country for six years before I retired and coached the sprinters. In fact, a good friend of mine, you probably have heard of him, Tony Holler. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the track and field consortium. Yep. Yeah. So I know Tony real well, and uh, Small we, yeah, we, yeah, he's a, he's a good buddy of mine. We were we used to have breakfast every couple of weeks before this coronavirus thing came up. Really, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, he's a good good man. Because he's uh, not too far from you, right? No, yeah, he's down in Plainfield. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you should get him on this. I could talk to him about it if you like. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We actually he would do it. 
I actually uh, spent some time with Coach Holler at uh, – I met him down in Kansas City at a okay. track and field clinic when I was okay. at Clark. And uh, we actually went out to dinner and had a, a really good conversation with him because this is when – around the time that he had those articles that he released and talking about, uh, you know, changing uh, the way that, uh, you know, you coach football. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, you know, so, so it's really interesting you bring up his his name. So, but yeah, it's kind of funny because I knew I also know Chris Corfist, and I knew Chris separately, and I knew Tony separately, and so we got to kind of Tony and Chris together, uh, and uh, you know they just took off uh, from that. We because uh, at Friend we did uh, we did our training was more traditional, and then as I talked with uh, Tony and Chris, I kind of formed somewhere in between. It's not quite what. Tony or Chris does, but it's not the old way too, where you run like, you know, 600s and whatever, uh, uh, kind of a blending of the two. We, uh, we have speed days and then we have, uh, lactic days and, uh, things like that. A little different, but it worked out well. So anyways, did that and then, uh, had, had some good, good success and good times. And then, in uh, uh, got in, got involved with the coach association, became president of that. I, I run our track clinic. We have about a thousand coaches. I'm, I'm gonna, I don't say I run it. I, I'm going to phrase that. I'm one of the guys who runs it. Mm. There are three of us uh, and Jay Ivory from uh, Lake Park. Uh, he's the head coach there. He really runs it. And then another gentleman, Tom Cabrera and myself, we help run it. We get about a thousand coaches, great speakers, uh, good opportunities. Uh, and uh, then in 2017, I retired from Fremd and I was, uh, Going in, and a gentleman came up to me uh, at, at the clinic and said, hey, would you be interested in coaching at Burlington Central? I said, well, I don't know. That depends. Uh, I, I had heard of Central because I live in St. Charles. And uh, I wanted to get – I like coaching also for the social aspects, I, mm. I, I must admit, too. I want to hang around with the coaches and the kids. And, you know, there's you, – you know, you make connections. It's about making connections. Yeah. And you can make those connections with uh, – with the, the kids that you work with, and then with your coaching staff, your stability is important. You know, you you gotta you don't have to all agree, but you have to at least uh, have an understanding and a respect for each other. Uh, you know, because ultimately the head coach guides the ship and the assistants will follow. But you have to have a place and time to talk about it. You don't air those things out in front of uh, the kids and all. Uh, so I didn't know anything about their program. I didn't know what they were like. So I, I met with his name's Mike Schmidt, the head coach out there, and he's been very successful. Uh, like I said, he's taken second in state, uh, third a couple times. Fourth, he's had countless relays. He's a really good sprint coach. Um, so we met over a beverage or two and uh, a couple of times, and, and I, I liked I took me to the school, and they built a brand-new indoor facility. It's oh, wow. a 200-meter track. It is gorgeous. So between knowing the coaches, meeting some of the kids, and seeing the facility, like, I'm in. Yeah. And uh, we started there. We had pretty much – the last time they had a state qualifier in the throws was like in 2000. And uh, then last – so I took over in 2017. There were practically there were like no throwers. And then last year we had a girl who took fifth in state, a boy who uh, went ahead and won the uh, – he got – he just missed the finals in the discus. And I got the we got conference champions and uh, and the throws and stuff. So it's coming around. And this year would have been really good, but oh well. But that's a little bit kind of a condense of what kind of brought me to where I'm at now. I guess you could say. 
So, Coach, you mentioned one of the uh, a couple of the coaches, but uh, who would you say are your biggest uh, mentors or influencers on your coaching style and, and things that that you implement in your programs? Um, I'd have to say probably the one of the biggest ones. Uh, uh, Tim knows him as Joe Sam of Jedney. Mm-hmm. He was uh, the head football coach for many years at Fred High School, and uh, you know, you talk about. He always said. And, and, and I and I agree with this. You motivate one player at a time. You, you know, you can do your speeches and stuff, but it really comes down to making a connection with the kid. You know, uh, we go through, like I'll, I'll talk when I was head coach, I try to make a connection with these each day, at least one connection with them, with my kids. Either we see them in a the hallway or I'd see them at practice or, you know, after practice or leaving. Just, hey, how's it going? And, and really wanted to know, you know, how it's going. Uh, and so I think that he taught me that, that that's how you really motivate. Because uh, if, if the kids know that you sincerely are concerned about them, and I, you know, I ask, like, how their grades, how's their families doing? We don't talk when I was coaching football. I, you know, I started to realize this towards the end of my football coaching career. Um, I used to be, you know, Tim probably remembers me. I used to yell like beyond it, but I haven't yelled in years. Mm. <laughs> I, you can get your message across without having to yell and scream. Yeah. Uh, so I learned that from uh, Sam and Jenny. Mm. And, uh, and so that's a big, a big influence. Um, another one, uh, you know, would have, would have, uh, his name was Rich Boker. And he was the track coach before. I took over. Rich passed, has passed away since with mm-hmm. cancer. Um, but Rich, you know, taught me the, the importance of, of planning. And, you know, these are the things that, are, uh, that you're, you're going to uh, go ahead. You got to have these things done. You got to plan ahead uh, and prepare. And uh, I always used to plan in my head before. Uh, but now I, you know, I start jogging things down. And now my season, as, you know, the old familiar, if you, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. You know, and, and Rich taught me that. And so that's that's helped me as a coach, both in uh, small, you know, like in, in smaller increments and in the large scale. You know, what do you want to do with your team? What kind of team do you want to have? What, you know, what are your philosophies? Like uh, when I first took over as a track coach, I I didn't really have any written rules. I didn't, I had like, I just think common sense. Like when I was a teacher, I, I only had one rule was, I was to go ahead and uh, treat yourself I mean, I'm sorry, treat others how you want to be treated and show respect. That was it. So if you were like, you know, bothering somebody, then you weren't showing respect. So that was an issue. And I realized in track real soon, I needed a little bit more (laughs) than that. And things needed to be written down uh, so that the kids knew what was going on. Uh, And, you you know, you had rules. Uh, I had like the three strike rule was pretty much my standard uh, for things. Uh, everybody makes mistakes, um, but if you repeat those mistakes, uh, then we have an issue. And uh, so I learned that learned that from from him uh, a lot. So those were my uh, two mentors. And then there's a another gentleman that you probably didn't, might have never heard of. His name was George Dunn. Uh, George Dunn was a great throws coach in Illinois before I came along, and was also coached football at Oak Lawn. And so he's the one who got me involved into uh, track and field on the state and national level. Uh, so he kind of paved the way for me 
there. And he taught me to um, be open and help and offer. Uh, I mean, I was just some young punk coach who, you know, I just was just there. I had a good throw. I had Jeff Teach at the time. Uh, so I had a good thrower and, you know, he made it to state. Uh, George saw how I was working with him. And then he brought me in. He said, you need to get involved in this coaches association and you need to uh, talk to other coaches. You need to learn. You need to listen. And then you need to remember this and pass it on. So from that's why I, I, I do a lot of these, uh, uh, I've done these webinars and uh, written these articles like for Simply Faster and Track and Field Consortium and things like that uh, to share knowledge. And I always put my email out there and any coaches who have questions, I, I'll answer them via email or call them or whatever. I've, I've talked and worked with coaches all over the country through that. So those are kind of like the, the three things that I've learned from those three people. And then there's other people who's been very influential in my life. Uh, and, but those three are, have had a big, big impact. Well, the first two you mentioned, Coach Samo and Coach Bokor, um, phenomenal influences in me, particularly as a young kid. I, I remember as a freshman just listening to Coach Samo just talk to the team, and I was you, you just you didn't you didn't interrupt Coach. You, you just listened to Coach. He had such a way of commanding um, an audience, and yeah. and I, I remember wanting to please him so much because. I remember when I was just this young kid, I moved in from Mount Prospect in 88. And so I, I didn't know a ton of kids. Um, and I remember him knowing my name. And I was like, holy cow, that, that blew me away. Um, and then, yeah, I remember you, Coach. You coached the line. I was a D-back. So I didn't, I didn't spend as much time with you. But I remember I, I didn't want to get uh, you mad. I, I didn't, I, you know, I'm, I remember one time, I think I was a junior and we had two-a-days and we were on, a, it was a Saturday and it was raining. We had pads and we were going to do 10 100s. And if everybody made the time, uh, you know, we were going to be and I don't know. I don't think you were responsible. I'm just this is one of my memories that, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, by number 22, you know, we had guys puking and, you know, people crying and <laughs> we're going, what is going on? I think you guys eventually said you're never going to get right. Get off the field. Come back Monday. And, you know, um, but we had some good teams and our, and our guys were just really tough. And um and I just, you know, that, that formative experience for me, um, a coach Boker, Boker, I had him in, in history class. And I, I remember sitting in the front row, um, and just listening and, and watching him right on that chalkboard, everything was detail oriented. Mm -hmm. And I, that's where I learned how to take notes quite honestly from him. You know, um, when I went to college, I, I, the way I took notes and everything was the way I took notes from him in his class. And I, I, I knew that he had passed away. I reached out to his daughter, Courtney, who was a year oh, younger yeah. than me. Yeah. Um, haven't seen a lot of those folks back in that area, but, I love hearing the, the, those names um, because they had such an impact on me um, as well. And, and so, you know, you, you talked about some of the things that you, you've you learned and how your philosophy has changed. I think that's really phenomenal to hear. And, yeah. and so uh, what are some of the non-negotiables that you've developed? In, you know, you, you mentioned the three strike rule and things like that and treat others as you want to be treated. But what are some, yeah. you know, really firm non-negotiables that you think are important for coaches to have or that you've developed that, that, um, you know, you won't change or maybe you have changed. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it, I've evolved in those things over, over the years. Uh, they have, they've altered like, so when I was a younger coach, you know, my, my non-negotiables were uh, you, you will be here. You will be on time. Uh, you know, you're going to work your ass off. You're going to, you know, all, all these, I was very, uh, strict. And uh, not that I'm not strict now, but 
I'd say I, I, uh, I go ahead and I approach things. My, my, I guess my number one non-negotiable is you will have respect. You will have respect for the sport that you're doing. You will have respect for what you're, for what you're doing. And you will have respect for the team and for your teammates. Um, but to, to show respect, uh, also you have to give respect. So it's a two-way street. Uh, so as a coach, you know, I can't, I, I see, like when I first started, you could just demand things. Well, now I explain why I'm doing what I do. And I didn't do that when I was younger. So, you know, like you, like, for example, I'll, I'll have, um, when I first started at, at Central, uh, they had practice only, uh, see, two days or sometimes three days a week for, for the throwers. And so I come in and I go, okay, we're going to practice, you know, Monday, Wednesday. They're like, what? We have practice every day? <laughs> like, yes, we have practice every day. Well, why that? And so I had to explain to them why we practice every day. And uh, then I've gotten a little bit uh, uh, smarter on, on that thing. And having them, because I see the respect is you gotta, you got to grow it a little bit. Um, so, so, for example, I wanted them to practice two and a half hours every day. But I, I couldn't, if I just said you're going to practice two and a half hours every day, I would have lost almost all of them. So I started practicing. And then I said, if anybody wants to stay after and get better, you're welcome to stay after and get better. And before you know it, they all stayed after. And so our practice went from two to two and a half and sometimes almost three, depending on who the kid was, uh, which is plenty. Because <laughs> yeah. you, know, you got to get weights and throwing everything in. So my, my number one non-negotiable, uh, sorry, I kind of rambled lost the thing, but, but it's respect. And, and so I, I find that you can, you, can, you can earn that and get that by explaining to them and by get, trying to build a love for what it is that, what it is that you do, build that in them. You know? uh, so it's like, I, like yes, coach football. You, know, you love the game. And the game is, is, I mean, it's the greatest game that there is. Football is, is amazing for all it teaches. And that's why you guys love it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love it. Um, but also then you take those uh, things and when you as a coach um, express those and give those to the kids, they see what you're doing. Like you remember from Sam and Boker, and I'm sure, Dwayne, you remember from your high school coaches. That's why you love this sport now, because they instilled that in you. Uh, so that's the thing that I, I, I get. Like I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll explain to kids about throws. It's, it's about throws, but – so, yeah, like Greg, I was saying, like, you remember, you know, your coaches instilled this, this love of, of the game into you. And so then in turn, you're passing this on to your kids. And that respect uh, that they have for the sport is built through you. And so I, I think with football, like I was saying, I, football's a great game. Uh, sports in general, the idea, I always take it like this. I always want to build good people. If I can build good people, the winning and losing will take care of itself. And so that's always been my kind of inner drive, my mantra. Uh, and so developing the, the person that'll come. Coach, do you think, do you think coach, when you were, I mean, kind of a pitfall for some younger coaches is you, you kind of mentioned how more willing you are to explain things now that you're, you're older, you know, when you're younger uh, and, and I know I, I've, 
fell into this trap as well as, you know, I'm just going to explain it once and, and kids are going to get it and they're going to know how to do it. And then when they don't, you become really frustrated or they don't want to do it. You become really frustrated. And, and, you know, it's kind of that, uh, old adage that says, you know, you catch more, more bees with, you know, honey uh-huh. or yeah, kind of deal. I mean, but, uh, what, what are your thoughts on that coach? I think it's twofold. I think number one, when you're a young coach, you just don't know some things like, you know, this is what you do, but you're not really sure, you know, your coach did it or this book said to do it or the video or whoever you heard talk at a clinic said to do it, but you're not really sure why deep down why you do it. So you're like, ah, you're going to do it. (laughs) And as you get older, you start to learn the why, like, uh, you know, even uh, like Tim knows this coach, uh, Sam and Jenny, we call him coach Samo. Uh, he did some things with track, and as he got older, he learned, oh, that's why these things work, these, the training things that we did. You know, he did, we didn't know the why behind them. So I think as you become an older coach, you learn the why. And when you know the why, uh, then it fits in the bigger picture better, and you can explain it uh, better. Um, I also think as you're a, uh, when you're a young coach, you don't quite have the self-confidence in what you're you. Know, you you know, because you're, you're new at it. Uh, so you kind of have bravado, I guess, you know, to, to handle that. Like, just like the kids do when they're not confident, they tend to be more cocky and stuff. Uh, so I think those are the two biggest reasons why, uh, you know, I mean, that's, I can say me at least. That's why I. Um, and also for me too, I was learned football under the old regime where, you know, the strong survive. I mean, yeah. literally, you know, like you're talking about running those those hundreds, Tim. I remember in high school we did something similar. Kids were passing out, puking, and whatever. And you know, you just kept going. If you and after if you woke up from your passing out, you just kept running. <laughs> it was it was literally how it was. It was nuts. And so that's the kind of regime that I was in. So I thought, okay, that's what you had to be. So so, coach, if, I think. when you're looking back on your career, I mean. And one of the things that I, Tim and I have talked about on, on our podcast is willingness to admit mistakes looking back in your career. I mean, are any, any glaring things that you look back on and you think of, oh man, um, I wish I could have done things a little bit differently in this situation. Yes. I mean, there's, there's some on the professional, uh, and some on the personal, uh, with with coaching, but you know, I, I mentioned how, um, uh, Coach Rich Boker and I would argue our first couple of years. Um, I wish now that I would have listened to him more uh, because I would have had at least two more championship teams. <laughs> mm. Those were great teams, but I didn't handle them right. Uh, but by the same token, like I said earlier, experience is what you get. You don't get what you want. If I wouldn't have gone through those experiences, I wouldn't be the, I would have had the success I don't think of that I would have had today. Uh, cause I, you know, you, when you get success early, you learn to take things for granted. Um, and I, I would have definitely taken a lot for granted and I, I would probably would have thought I was a lot better than I actually was. <laughs> so those experiences help, help make, make you what you are. Um, and I think that's, that's an important thing. And it's important too, when you talked about going through, you know, your, your O for season, uh, I've had those as well. Um, but those are important for kids to learn 
especially now. I mean, as you guys probably the same thing, you know, kids, the, the older the kids get a trophy and the kids get this and we make it kind of easier on them because we don't want them to feel bad, but they need to learn how to handle uh, adversity and failure. Um, Cause that's life. Well, you know what that's fail, you know what fail stands for, right? Uh, I'll probably tell me first attempt in learning. Oh, that's good. I First haven't heard that one. Learning. Yeah, I do like that. I mean, and it's you know, Tim and I have talked about this a lot in our podcast uh, with different different other leaders, just like yourself, that say you know, failure's an a, an excellent opportunity for growth. It is. It is like my wife's a a, a, a teacher, uh, and, and she's a math teacher, and she is insistent on getting the kids back their their assignments like the next day because that's how they learn. If you don't, you know, you grade a paper, you don't get it back for a week and a half. What good does that do you? You know, so that's that's how you learn. I like that. I have to remember that with fail. That's Coach, good. I I, I want to press into that a little bit more with your with your thoughts on on how to deal with with athletes who struggle with doing that, uh, because oftentimes uh, you see some of the best athletes don't give their best or don't uh, continue on because they have some failure. Um, and so, how do you approach that? Uh, mentality in your coaching to get kids to get really out of their own way and understand really what's happening. Uh, and really in terms of just lose the ego. Yeah. That's a great growth process. I mean, that is, like you said, a great opportunity to learn, but it is, it's difficult. It's, I think it's one of the most difficult things uh, you deal with in coaching. And I think over the years, it's become more difficult. Um, but uh, when I, when a kid has, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a, a young man last year who as a sophomore was, uh, in, two a, in track, there's three divisions, uh, one, a two, a and three, a, uh, and, and we're two, a, um, and this, this young man as a sophomore was like the number, I think six shot putter in the state and sectional time came around and he he didn't make it. So he didn't make it to state. Didn't have a chance. Um, and you talk about just, you know, just, oh, I felt so bad for him. And I think the first thing we as coaches need to do is to realize you've got to let kids process. You've got to let them deal with that failure on their own for a while. You know, your, your initial response is to go over and it's going to be okay. It's, it's going to be all right, you know. But I think they need to initially, like, like I would tell them, hey, you know, it's, I did my, hey, you know, I know, coach, experience is what you get when you don't care what you want, you know, yeah. And I said, it's going to be all right, man. This, this, this will pass. And I let him go. And he was, he was upset. He spent the rest of the track meet and, and being upset. And uh, towards the end, uh, he had time to process. And I talked to him just a little bit about, about you know, you can take this. He, you know, he's like, but I put so much into it. And as I said, I go, yes. And the work that you put into things doesn't guarantee success. Mm-hmm. You know, it guarantees the opportunity, but it doesn't guarantee success. That's a lesson in life. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so this is a lesson that, you know, unfortunately you're learning, but it's, an, it's a valuable one. Um, and it didn't make him feel any better then 
But just uh, I talked to him about that. And then I talked to him about it's a process. You're, everything you do, you know, we set this goal at the beginning of the year. The goal was to go to state. And, you know, I didn't reach the goal. But, but it's just it's a goal. But the cool part is all the things you do to reach that goal. You know, remember this meet. Remember when we hung out and did this with the guys. The process was, was key. Um, so then I left them. And I gave him more time. Uh, then over the, we head over the weekend, Monday, uh, you know, he said, like, Coach, you know, I thought about some of the things that we talked about, letting kids process. And, uh, you know, then this, this year, coming into this year, I think it helped him because he took, he took this year's what happened with the coronavirus. Uh, I mean, he was, he, was the number, he was the number one junior, uh, and he was number, I think, four in the state in indoor shot. Uh, and he was ready to go. <laughs> I, he was ready to, to really explode. Um, and then this happened. And I think pre- previously, without that experience he had last year, it would have damn near crushed him. It would have, it would have hurt. Um, but, but he took it in stride. He realized that from what we talked about before, uh, that is part of, it's part of life, you know, and, 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 and you move on. So that's kind of how I think you deal with it. I, I mean, every, every case is different, uh, but, but with, with him, it's kind of how I, I, I've kind of learned that over time. You've got to let people process a little bit, um, you know, that, and you, you can tell, you can do a thing, well, if this is the worst thing that happens in your life. Yeah, but at that time, with that kid, it is the worst thing that's happened in their life. You know, so they need to to, to grieve a little bit uh, and then move on. I had a similar situation, Coach. Uh, my first year taking over as uh, the head track coach, uh, you know, I had two kids that qualified for the long jump and, you know, out of from our team so uh obviously great jumpers and uh the next year uh one of them qualified and the other one didn't well the other one worked really hard and the other Mm. one didn't work as hard and um he was also a a dual spring sport player played soccer and that was the first year we had soccer and so kind of felt like his his focus was more on soccer and, and, you know, he was still able to come out and, and help us in in the track team. But, uh, you know, I really wasn't as wrapped up over him not making it if I would have been the other kid not making it kind of deal, because I knew how much work that he had put into it. And after uh, our our district meet there, they said, well, Hey, so-and-so is over there pretty upset underneath the the bleachers that he didn't, didn't qualify. And I, I I was kind of really shocked to, to see him that, you know, kind of working through that, that grieving and that process, because I wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought that he wanted to go back to state kind of deal. Kind of deal. But it was like, you're talking about those kids have to go through that process and that grieving, grieving moment and, and have to work through that. Uh, You know, I think sometimes even when the kids uh, like we're talking about that, don't necessarily buy in or, or, you know, putting the ego aside, you know, they still have things to work through as well. Right. They do. And it's even like, I've had the, the situation similar where I've had one kid who's worked hard and one kid who hasn't, the kid who hasn't just more talented, mm-hmm. he makes it. And the kid who hasn't, who worked his ass off, didn't yeah. make it. That's a tough one too. Yeah. That's hard. So when Those, we talk, when we talk about leadership coach, what's your definition of leadership? 
when you if you if you had to give us kind of a a small you know second or a few moment elevator pitch on leadership what would you say how would you encompass it you know i think that's you you, you think with the podcast the title i'd be more prepared for this answer <laughs> but you know as i think of it you know i i look at a leadership is is you are trying to get the best a leader or a leader is somebody who tries to get the best out of the people that they're involved with now if you're a coach it's the people that you coach or you coach with if you're a boss it's the people you work you're trying to get the best out of them and i think as a leader you've got to be able to um, have the sense of what that takes for what that group is uh, you know, because like, for example, I've had teams that have had uh, great leadership on it. And leadership is one of those things where you see it when you note it, you, you know it when you see it, I'm sorry, but it's hard to uh, define like that. But you, you, you've seen teams where have great leaders and all you have to do as a coach, your, your good job of leadership is to stand back and let them go. Then you've had teams that you can see where you see some kids who have potential to be leaders. And you have to mentor them a little bit more. Um, and then you have teams that, you know, there's like, there's no leaders out there. And then you've got to be the leader. Um, so as also with staffs, you know, they all, you know, both of you have to have your coaching staffs and you can see that with your staffs. You have to, uh, you see some, some guys, maybe they need to do this to relate to kids better. Like I've had coaches who are very knowledgeable, but they don't do a really good job of relating to kids. And you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you can't relate it to a kid, it doesn't do you any good. So I have to then take the role of trying to get him to do that. So that would be my definition. A, a leader is somebody who's true, who tries to get the best out of the people they're involved with, whatever that is. And what I'm hearing from you by saying trying to get the best out of the people that they're involved with, the way that they're going to do that is by having those relationships built with them so they know what they're able, what buttons they're able to push. Maybe on on Johnny, you have to maybe, you know, be a little bit more firm with Johnny than you do with with Tommy, who's, you know, comes from a different background. And, and maybe he's the type that you have to put your arm around and say, you know, hey, you know, let's let's get you over to where we need you to be. And maybe with another player, it's just they're they're a self motivator, and, and you know that you don't need to do anything for that person. But it really sounds to me that what you're saying is you get to to know these people and in your programs or in your business by the relationships that you build with them, so you know the the approach that you need to take with them. Exactly. I mean, I, I've. I like the saying that I've used, fair isn't the same as equal. Yes. You know, it was, some kids need a little bit more. Amen. And, and some kids a little less, but it, that's, what, that's what they need. So I'm not going to spend the same time with you when, when you need more or whatever. Uh, and and that, that I, I, tell, that's, I tell my coaches that, and I've kind of lived that over the years. That's really, that, tough yeah, for, right. that's really tough for some people to hear, though, especially <laughs> parents. Oh, Yes. Yes, oh, I mean yeah, when you see, talk about fair, is, does not always mean equal. That's where I'm a I'm luckier than than you guys. Uh, it's pretty simple. I can go. Yep, he's faster. Okay, he's gonna go. Uh, but it doesn't work on relays, and so relays is where I have my issues. I have to talk to 
parents like, why isn't, you know, why isn't Fran running on this relay with the rest of the girls? She's the third fastest kid. I said, yeah, but Fran just, you know, doesn't, doesn't go ahead. And I have to, you know, tell them why. And, and, uh, well, there's so many, so many different other things that come into play with track. I mean, you know, like, well, who has other strong relays that you're competing against? And maybe this right. person, you know, I'm sure you guys can only compete in so many events there like we do in Iowa and, and maybe, you know, there's a better opportunity in this event for that person. So, I mean, there's so many different things that parents don't seem to take the time to to want to sit back and and realize. Correct. I mean, there's a lot to, you know, with track and field, it's more than just getting the fastest person out there. There's a lot to go into building a team to, to get them ready to compete at the end of the season. Just like, you know, with the football team, it takes time to fit the people in the right places. And that's the, the big piece of the puzzle. You know, you may think the guys are, are, are going to be a great quarterback, but it turns out he's a really good receiver. You know, and maybe your starting receivers are going to be the guy who's going to be the quarterback. But that's why you need to, to have those things. And it, it is it is funny. You, I, I, that's the art. I think of what I call the art of coaching is is knowing those particular things of how to deal with people, how to have relationships, uh, also how to put the pieces together, uh, both uh, athletically and um, um, not emotionally, but personality-wise, how they can all fit together, and uh, that's a, that's an art form as well. Um, you know, so I, I think those things are, are are important, and that's why I think coaching is is one of the greatest professions ever. I mean, you you have to do all those things, and you can if, you, if you're a successful coach, I think you can be successful at almost anything because it's well, about people. Yeah, it was a Billy Graham that said a coach can impact more lives, um, you know, in a lifetime than just about anybody. And and you know, you think of the number of kids you're around in the hallways, on the field, on the on the on the track. Um, it, it's just amazing, and and the people that you could get to be around. You know, I want to I, I want to segue back to leadership. I I like this when Dwayne and I first started this. Uh, we were talking about that exact definition, and I I like the idea that the leaders are dealers in hope. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, you're getting think, get people to realize what they can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think you know it, our job is to inspire, to empower, to envision, to engage, and uh, encourage. Okay. And uh, it's pretty it's powerful. It is. It's very powerful. You, it's funny you talk about that. It makes me think if you talk about mentors, and I'd forgotten probably one of the most important mentors in my life when I was younger, uh, back in Twinsburg, <laughs> where I'm from, in the Cleveland area. We had a football coach. His name was Dave Dye. And I, I was from your proverbial wrong side of the tracks where I grew up and, um, you know, didn't have, you know, much and uh, wasn't a, a great student or I, I was in school for purely social reasons. <laughs> uh, but Coach Dye, you know, kind of uh, I was on the football team and, and, uh, and back then we had freshmen and then we had you were sophomore, junior, senior we were all the same. Same thing. So I was, I was, came out this sophomore year and he saw something in me that I never saw in myself. Um, and it ended up by the, my senior year, I was you know, captain of the team and started you know, doing better in school and all those things. And it's it because, like you talked about, dealers in hope. You know, he, he saw in me that I didn't even know was there and, and let me realize what I could do. And, and then his, funny his brother uh rick Dye was his assistant was the uh, offensive coordinator 
And I had gone away to college and I came back and I was taking a, some time off to get some more money. And he said, Hey, we need a football coach. You want to, you want to coach freshman? Like, sure. I'd never coached anything before, but oh, I just fell in love with it. And that's when I knew that I wanted to coach. And I was like, okay, so how, how can I do this for a living? Well, you got to teach. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be a teacher. And my best grades in college were in science. So I became a science teacher. <laughs> but that, that's so true. That's, you know, like Dylan Hope, what we do is try to get kids to realize what they can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's why I love this profession. It's, it's really I, good. I bet if every one of us looked back, though, we could find a, a, a dealer and hope that led us to where we are. You know, I, 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 when you're telling your story, coach, it connects right to, to my story. I, same, same deal. Wasn't a great student and didn't come from an influent background or anything like that. But, uh, uh I had a, a coach who was a junior high coach that uh, saw something in me that I never saw in myself and, yeah. uh, Mr. Witchery and, uh, he's no longer with us, but, uh, he is someone that I look back because he was our high school social studies teacher. And I remember, he, wow. he, he ruled his classroom with an iron fist. And, uh, you know, when I was in his classroom, I was kind of always considered the class clown. And but I, I sat up straight and, and didn't uh, mess around in his class because I didn't want to let him down when I look back on it. You know, I didn't want to I didn't want to make him frustrated for believing in me or having that hope inside of me. And, uh, you know, I think ultimately that's what led me to where I am now is people like him. Yeah. You know, it's like what we do, we plant seeds. You know, we never quite know what's going to blossom from what we've done. And, and I've had kids who I've kicked off the team in the past uh, for various reasons. And they come back to me and they're like, you know, they're, they're successful now, whatever. And I'll hear from them years later. Coach, that really woke me up. <laughs> you know, that really did a, did a lot of good. And I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, so it, you never know what actions you, you do are going to make that difference. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think you you bring up a really interesting point that's 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 tough for a lot of coaches and teachers, even managers and bosses, is to uh, instill accountability um, with with discipline and love, um, mm-hmm. and and get the outcomes that you want, um, because it's hard to have those critical conversations. Sometimes, uh, you know, it's it's hard to kick somebody off the team. It's almost impossible nowadays at least where yeah. we are um but you know t- can you talk about that just about uh just how do you how do you how do you do that how do you instill that accountability how do you have those conversations what what's it like great that's a great question uh you know you talk about my my style now i mean i'm a i'm a more i guess you would say laid back um coach and and my last 15 years probably as the head track coach I was as well. I said, I don't yell anymore and stuff, but uh, they know they are accountable. There are, you know, you, you know, this is, you know, this is the team. This is what's uh, uh, accounted on for. Well, I'll I'll give you an example. Um, You know, I have a, I have a kid, I have a thrower current or currently. um, And he wanted to, you know, he's coming to practice but then he always had a reason of why he was had to be late or why uh, it was a trainer or whatever. And so you know, I sit him down. I said, hey, you know, uh, I won't tell you his name, but you need to uh, – you tell me this is important to me, but your actions don't show that. 
So I try to always relate it not on a, not to a, a personal, but it's your actions. So you you tell me this is important to you, but your actions are you're late. Actions are you're always finding a reason to go do this. So your actions tell me one thing, your words say another. Uh, your actions need to change. And then you find that maybe they do or maybe they don't. If they, if they do, great. But what usually happens is they do for a short time and then they go right back to what they were doing before. And so we have to have this discussion again. And then what, what I usually do then in this particular, well, I did in this particular case, this particular kid, it happened again. Uh, so I had that talk with them. And then I went ahead and I, uh, I uh, had a discussion with the parents. And in my younger days, I wouldn't even bother with the parents. <laughs> but I learned you have to, to CYA. You really do. Um, so I, I told him, I said, you know, this is whatever, the actions. And then you can also find out that maybe there's something else going on that you weren't aware of. And that's where bringing the parents in is also helpful. In this case, there really wasn't. But in, in other cases, there have been. Um, and then after that, then the young man was much better. But he needed a wake-up call from, from a united front. So that's, that's kind of my, and I, I kind of got that from my teaching. I, my teaching, I had the three-strike rule. I said, the first time I would tell you, the second time I'm going to tell you, but I'm also going to contact the parents and whatever the, you know, the problem is. And then the third time, you're, I'm going to do that to parents and you know, send you to the office. And I almost, I very rarely got to the third time. Um, but that I find has worked pretty well in coaching uh, with those kids. But that's kind of my strategy usually. That kind of answers your question. Well, I, I think you speak to where you are now in your career and you're comfortable with what the standard is. You know what the standard is. You know what it looks like, what it feels like. And, and I think – uh, I think that's probably how you can you can just this is it this is this is the deal this is how it's going to go when you're a little bit younger coach you're still trying to identify okay wh what do I stand for who am I uh, I don't like what's going on because it doesn't feel right so you know this oh, has got to change this leads perfectly back to what I was talking about earlier when I first became <laughs> head coach I I didn't have that stuff written down and so. I didn't have any of that. <laughs> I ran into a lot of issues. Mm. So what I did is I wrote, like, you know, there's the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. Right. So these, were the, these were the Ten Commandments of from track. <laughs> <laughs> these are what you had to, had to do. <laughs> and there, there were things like, you know, uh, three strike, three missed uh, practices, and here's what happened, you know, uniforms. So I, I condensed everything into ten things. That way it gave me a framework that I could then, and I made the kids sign it and I made the parents sign it mm. so that everybody knew. Because um, I, I went through three years of not having that and it was like so stupid. <laughs> I bet a lot of those are still applicable to this day on those. Oh, I, yeah. I have them around here somewhere. I don't even, I, I, we're moving in a year or so. So I started throwing stuff out. That's how I found the football team that I, oh, cool. that I sent you from the uh, 93 season. Yeah, but awesome. I'm sure I have them around somewhere, but they are, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's stuff like, uh, you know, I had this, like, you need to ride the bus, you know, cause the parents wanted to take them home after the meet, you know, no, you're part of the team. You need to ride the bus to 
then you need to ride the bus when we, you know, we leave. And when the bus leaves, I've always been a stickler on time. When the bus leaves, the bus leaves. You know, I'm not one of these five, you know, if you're not five minutes early, you're late. I'm one of these, the time says what the time says. So mm-hmm. you better figure out how to get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I've left uh, many of kids behind. Mm-hmm. And, and so like the parent, and so this is what would happen. I'll give this as the example. What even prompted that now that I'm thinking about it. So we're, at, we're going to track meet. It's like, you know, the bus leaves at 310. It's 310. We're out of here. Okay. So we get to the track meet. Kid comes pulling up with his folks. You know, hey, you know, here I am. Like, yeah, you missed the bus. But I'm here. Yeah, but you missed the bus. And so you're not competing. Well, there's, you know, well, there's nothing written down. You know, we, we didn't have that. And so... I had to go through and I told his parents, I said, no. And I said, he's your responsibility. He's not riding the bus home. You take him home. Uh, so then I started, then the next year, I started writing the rules down. Mm. Uh, and that just made things so much easier. Because yeah. uh, people knew what was what was going on. So as a young coach, I'm so glad I did it. And now again, that was Coach Boker who gave me that idea. Uh, I didn't think, I'd say I thought that myself, but I didn't. As far as Set the expectation. Down. Yeah, exactly. And stick to it, you know, and once the kids and the kids want discipline, they, they want to know the rules and they want to they'll stick by them if they know they're going to be enforced. The, the same for everyone. And but again, I refer back to fair isn't always equal. Right. There are extenuating circumstances. And that's where you as a coach are going to have to make a tough call sometime. You know, maybe, you know, Johnny didn't make the bus because. You know, John's mom is really sick or something like that. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I found out talking to the parents does help. Because uh, administrators oftentimes, uh, or guidance counselors, they can't really tell you things uh, because of laws or whatever. Uh, so if, if the parent thinks it's important, then they'll share that with you if, in those cases. Or maybe, you know, Johnny doesn't have a house. It's never where to live. It's mm-hmm. homeless. Um, so he needs a little bit of extra help, those types of things. Uh, so, so, so coach, one of the things we've always, we've really interested to hear from the people that we talk to is, you know, what are you reading? What's been an impactful to you? And I know that you, you went and grabbed it. So, so what are you reading right now that you think, uh, maybe some of our listener listeners may enjoy? Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's called these truths, the history of the United States. And, uh, it's by this, uh, Jill uh, Loper, and you can see that there. Uh, I'm only about a quarter of the way through. It's a pretty thick book, but I like it because it goes over the history, but it tells it kind of like not behind the scenes, but maybe a little different take on it. And I like different takes on things. Um, Like she's uh, talking about how it it is a big issue with how slavery has been a, a huge issue in the formation of our country. Um, you know, even going back to, you know, the, dec- the Declaration of Independence, uh, you know, the Constitution and all that was signed and made and, uh, you know, how, how the slaves counted as three fifths of uh, and that's what, you know, kept the, the American, uh, you know, the South and, and North. That's what started the divide. I, I never realized that, you know, things like that. Um, but that's it's 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 a it's not an easy read. Um, that's what I, I've got it. Uh, I'm about a quarter way through it. I'm getting more into it now. Uh, but I, I like that fact that it, it does that. It talks about 
some of the personal sides. Uh, you get to know like um, uh, uh, Ben Franklin, him a little bit more. I like I like I've read I've read the Ben Franklin biography and I've read uh, Thomas Jefferson and, and those things and they are they're good. But this this tells it from a little different point of view. So I I do like that and, and I like the fact that uh, she goes through and everything is. Uh, in the back, most of it's a glossary. Tell about where she got all her sources from. So it's not just, you know, some, some thing. And you know, talk about what, what, what you like uh, to read. There is a, I, I like Stephen King, uh, even though it's not history. I like him a lot. Uh, more, more of his older stuff. Um, there's a book he wrote called The Stand. It's from way back in the 70s, but it's a great book. I've read, I had never read a book twice. I've read that book three times. <laughs> When you find one you like, you got to do it. Yeah. And then I also like sports psychology books. Hmm. Um, I, I really feel, as I've gotten older in my, in my career, I felt that's the part of my game I got to get better at. You know, we spend so much time on the physical aspect of our sport and our, what we're trying to do, but we spend uh, 10% of that on the mental aspect. So I've started doing uh, with my kids the meditation, um, the, uh, re, uh, the the breathing. Uh, sorry, the uh, breathing uh, before giving them something to focus on, and uh, I, I found it helps. But I still have so much more. I'm currently another book I'm currently reading is Sports Psychology for Dummies. <laughs> That's another book I'm currently reading. Love it. Uh, it's it's a it's a good basic book, and it, and it gives you all those different venues and. I, I've decided I've, uh, my time here at central, that's what I was decided to focus on to make myself a better coach is to learn more of the, the mental aspects, the uh, sports psychology. And, uh, I've I got a long way to go, but I'm better than I used to be. <laughs> well, that's the definition of a leader coach is learning how, you know, learning that you need to grow and you can't be stagnant. And it's that whole growth mindset that you, as a teacher and a coach, you try to instill in the people you lead. Right. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. Um, you know, the reason Dwayne and I started this podcast was that just like you mentioned sports psychology there, you can find anything you want on X's and O's anywhere, but, you know, getting into the mind of people who have been there, done that and had success and, and, and failures and, and can talk about those things and, and be vulnerable, um, through the process, uh, is just so invaluable. And, and so, you know, I, this has been probably one of the fastest hours we've had, uh, on our podcast, even with a hiccup in technology, uh, but it it's been awesome. We are so grateful that you you took time. And Dwayne didn't get his, his story on me, so I I I'm, I'm I don't know if we're gonna get to <laughs> Saved by the Bell. <laughs> we'll do that the next one then. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> round that two. would be great. Yeah, you we know, have. I'll see if I can get Samo on you. He would be a good one. Oh, that, that would, would be. be that would be tremendous. Yeah, yeah we would... still we still have breakfast every. Well, we don't now because but we have breakfast once a week. Oh uh, wow! Be sure I. to tell him I said hi. I certainly will. will. I got to give him a call. Actually, I'm supposed to call him here later on today. Yeah, uh, we would love to have him on. He's you know tremendous man for sure. He lived right by where I did, right by Mazowski, yeah. and you yeah, know went Lindsay and all you guys. Yeah, yeah, that that, that was you guys. You, was story. this guy's area where where, where Tim lived. They were the greatest grouping of athletes and kids. It was the spot like Boker lived there. Um, but, you know, it, it was Tim, Bob Lindsay, Lazowski. Uh, teachers lived further, but in the same general area. 
this little blo- couple blocks of Palatine with some yeah. amazing. Chris amazing Barton, company. Jim Mangelli. Yeah. Um, you know, and those, uh, they live up to just down the way on Illinois up there a little bit. So yeah. Tremendous, trem- tre- tremendous hour coach. I- I- as we wrap up, is there anything that you think, uh, you'd you just like to share with us before we leave? Is there any parting thoughts you have for our listeners today? Well, I just, uh, the, I'll tell you the one, the one little thing I have is, and I've kind of lived by my mind, my mantra is, uh, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Mm-hmm. And I always try to worry if I don't make myself better, then I have an advance and then get worse. <laughs> uh, somebody else is, is working to do that. Not that it's a competitive thing, but it's I'm competing with myself. You know, I want to try to be every day, do what I can to make myself better. And then by doing that, I think that I can make other people better. You know? and, and, and that's the joy uh, of, of what we do. Right? Yeah, exactly. And this, I just want to tell you guys, I really enjoyed your podcast. I'm not through them all yet, but I, I so enjoy just, listening to other coaches uh like i'm i'm almost through with the one uh, i'm not doing them in order but uh the volleyball coach yeah i forget her name yes ah some good really good stuff and uh i actually listen to it when i go fishing there you go yeah so love it it's really good but thank you again so much guys yeah we'd love to have you on again and um and then you know um there's just so many different ways that we can go for sure. Um, but until that time, uh, thanks for tuning in today to the Life Leadership and Pursuit of Greatness podcast. I'm Tim Lovell along with Dwayne Mathis. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks again for checking out our podcast today and sticking around to the end. Dwayne Mathis and I are so grateful that you decided to stop by Just a reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on any platform that you use to listen in. Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. If you have any questions, please be sure to send us an email at lifeleadpg at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners, about topics you want to hear regarding leadership. Also, check out our YouTube channel. We post videos every Sunday and recap the podcast that we had the previous week. Great opportunity to get a quick hit of what we're talking about. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss an opportunity to get better as a leader. And as always, let's keep chasing life, leadership, and pursuit of greatness in everything that we do. Have a great night.